Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Banu, and I'm very happy to be joined by a very special guest today, Michael Speranza, the CEO of Cantata. We will not do any introductions to Michael today because we've had the opportunity to sit with Michael on two other sessions, Episode 7, when... Maybelline and Kimball had just merged and Cantata had been formed under Michael's leadership. And episode 32, Challenges, Trends, and Tips for Leading a Successful Business in 2023, which was co-hosted or hosted by uh, my colleague Brent. So thank you, Michael, for joining us a third time. We're really looking forward to having you and appreciate you. Great. Thanks, Bono. It's great to be here. Fantastic. Michael, in episode 32, recorded in December 2022, but aired in January of 2023, you shared with Brent the feedback you were receiving from customers and the challenges you were anticipating for 2023 in the PS vertical. We are almost at the end of 2023. The geopolitical and economic situation is still not stable. And I was wanted to revisit this and understand from you, what are the trends that are shaping the PS industry right now? And how are these trends impacting how businesses do work? It is quite a bit of a different time since I last spoke with, with Brent on episode 32. I would say you know, the last several quarters, I think, have really created um, a lot of change for prospects and participants in the industry. In particular, I would say probably over the last eight weeks or so, I've probably talked to more participants in the professional services arena than I have in my last two years with Cantata. The message that I'm hearing and that I'm receiving from these individuals really revolves around how, how different the environment is from when it was just 12 months ago and um, how fast the customers have been forced to adapt to the rate of change in the environment. And, you know, if you were to, you know, rewind the clock 12 months ago, I think, you know, a lot of our participants in the industry and customers and prospects would talk about struggling with significant attrition during the great resignation, having more demand than they could possibly staff, trying to figure out how they're coping with more significant growth rates than they had planned to deal with. And I would say a lot of that has changed, I would say, unfortunately, for the negative for a lot of folks in this industry, I think hiring has really translated, I would say, more towards how they focus on enrich their staff. There's obviously a lot less attrition, which is a positive for their business. The notion of what was endless demand 12 months ago has really translated more to staying close to their customers and dealing with a purchasing environment that is a little bit more challenging uh, and less predictable. And really, they're, I would say, maniacally focused on making sure they utilize the capacity that's available to them. And I would say this this kind of notion of, you know, staffing at any cost has really translated into a mindset as to making sure that they access every resource in the most cost-efficient way possible. Um, I think a, a lot of customers and prospects that I talk to are really dealing with, I would say, a lot more uncertainty and a lot more pressure on their business than when we last spoke about 12 months ago. It's not the environment that's a challenge. It's the really the rate of change and how quickly they've been forced to adapt. Yeah. And what is clear is change is continuous and it can come at any direction. So that agility is critical to the business's success. But to that point, what is the role of technology in your opinion perspective in adapting to these trends and being agile to respond to the change? Yeah. So more than ever, I think customers are searching for accurate data in a timely manner that helps them make the best decisions possible. You know, we recently conducted a report in collaboration with S&P Global. And 
one of the stats that was most interesting, at least for me personally, coming out of the report was that less than half of the respondents actually indicated that they had the tools in place to provide the necessary information to help them make good decisions, right? And in this environment, you know, having the right tools, the right processes in place, the right technology is really more important than ever, you know, especially when you're operating a services business in a, an environment that has such a high cost of capital to run it, significant margin pressure if there's business oscillations or outcomes are a little bit different than you expected, the margin for error becomes very, very narrow. Technology plays a role there by really being able to provide accurate, timely information in a way that just wasn't possible. And, you know, when we talk to a lot of participants in the industry, I'm still amazed at how many people are still trying to operate their business with gut, with instinct, and using tools like outdated legacy systems or, God forbid, a spreadsheet to try and run their business. And this is not universal to small clients or large clients. It's everybody. I think everybody's struggling with this. And I think many of them, you know, unfortunately have really still not chosen to revolutionize the technology they're using to give them the accurate and timely data that they they need to run their business. And if you think about the trends that are out there today, it's siloed data, lack of clarity on how their projects actually translate to good client outcomes, terrible user experience, manual processes, too many disparate tools that don't integrate or talk to one another. And, you know, unfortunately, I think this period of, uh, you know, uncertainty or change that we're in, I think, is exacerbating uh, what was already a, a big challenge for a lot of a lot of individuals in the industry. You've spoken a lot about tools or lack thereof. And historically, everyone is very familiar with professional services automation, PSA tools, and that's the common reference. But I was hoping that you could talk through and explain to our our listeners about this next generation or the next movement, professional services cloud category, and how is that different from PSAs? So I've been in this industry now for this specific industry for uh, a little over two years now. And, and when I joined, you know, the first thing I did was spend a lot of time with customers and with prospects and really understand what their challenges were, what their pain points were, and really get educated on this category. And from the outset, the category just made no sense to me at all, right? And when you looked at the tools that individuals are trying to use to run their business, and I would go in and I would ask them the question, I would say, well, what are you using to run your your business? And more often than not, the answer that I received in return was, well, what do you mean? The client actually didn't even know how to answer the question, right? They didn't come out and say, I'm using tool X or tool Y. They literally didn't know how to answer the question. And it just goes to the question about how fragmented the space was. And when you look at PSA as a category, the piece that's so, um, you know, discouraging to me about it is, you know, it emanated from an ERP software provider, right? If you look back and, you know, all of them, essentially evolved from the same place where it was an ERP product that came in whose primary customer was a CFO and purely to have something incremental to sell to a services leader, they kind of birthed this PSA category and their ambition and vision was really built out of having something else to sell to an existing ERP customer rather than really looking at the category in a vertical nature and actually understanding how to run a better services business. So for me, if you, if you really look at that, it was almost like an afterthought or an appendage. And I don't know how anything whose initial vision is starts as an appendage or an afterthought can ever do something exciting or revolutionary for a customer. 
So that's really why we've embarked, and I think others have embarked, on defining this PS Cloud category and really defining a new paradigm about how we're building a comprehensive set of solutions that is purpose-built for service organizations in a vertical nature that is focused on helping these clients deliver better outcomes to their customers. And that statement that I just said is fundamentally different from the way any PSA was born, right? Those PSAs were born essentially to optimize margin and run projects. That is it. And that's where their boundaries stop and they will forever be limited to that lane in terms of how they provide value to their customers. Yeah. Can we dive in a little bit more, Michael, into uh, the professional services cloud technology and therefore how will a professional services cloud technology be able to better equip businesses for the future? A great analogy here might be, you know, asking a, a surgeon to try and use a, a needle and thread that they bought at the corner drugstore, right? Of course, they would never do that, right? They would have a tool that is purpose-built for them, that is specific, that gives them a, a level of precision that isn't otherwise afforded by something generic. And that's exactly what the PS Cloud is, is focused on doing. And there's really three ways that I would try and define how it's different. And the first is that the PS Cloud is going to be comprehensive, right? It's not going to limit itself to delivering specific capabilities that are only related to projects. It's going to focus on the complete span of use cases and demands of a service organization. So resource management, planning, service delivery, time tracking, project management, accounting, billing, invoicing, it's going to come in and cater to the whole span of use cases that are necessary to actually run the services businesses. That's one. The second is that it's going to be built as something that's people-centric, not project-centric. And this is something that's often overlooked. And it's critically important because when folks kind of after the fact want to start to gather data or cross-section and do reports about how their business is running, the fundamental limitation of a PSA is if it's not built with the right data model, it can't provide the data that you're looking for. And the data model for a PS Cloud is going to be built from the piece that runs your business, which is the people, right? And unless your data is indexed to that individual around skills, time tracking, resourcing, planning, the amount of data that you can access is going to be limited after the fact. So that is one fundamental difference of how they're built. And the third is that they're focused on the actual client outcome, not just the financials. So every PSA was built to optimize cost or margin, right? And if they tell you anything different, they're lying to you. But when you look at a PS cloud, it's going to really be focused on end-to-end. How do they actually improve the outcome of the client deliverable? And really getting past the financials and past scope and schedule and talking about the quality of delivery, you know, getting into the project management capabilities, measuring an outcome and delivering more than just a margin to your business. And that is the one way that we're seeking to differentiate from the old category. Now, it's clear that within Cantata, we do offer the PS Cloud solution. All of our strategy is focused on PS Cloud. And that includes not just our technological product development, but everything, all our expertise, our people, everyone is focused on providing and solving for all the pillars you just described that embody the PS Cloud solution. That being said, what are 
the other elements that our listeners and companies that are looking for a partner should be looking for outside of just the technology? Because a lot of times they're coming to us with specific requirements and going through a checklist, but there's so much more in selecting the right partner. I mean, the first is focus. If you look at the technology landscape over the last 20 years, the most impactful trend that has existed has been, I would say, the advent of vertical SaaS, right? And this is something that's been ushered in by really a a different way of development that has been unlocked by a lot of the cloud vendors where you can now cost-effectively tailor an application to a specific industry, like specific demands that just wasn't economically or technologically possible in the past. And that is now possible. So if you're working with a horizontal or generic provider, you're limiting yourself out of the gate, right? And for me, like the advent of vertical SaaS, this is the future. You should be working with a provider who is 100% focused on the specific needs of your business. And if you're not, you will be forever limited in terms of how that product's going to evolve. The second, I think, really comes down to like vision, right? And for us, you know, we try and spend a lot of time really canvassing out with our existing customers and prospects and everybody in the industry that is willing to to help us create this. But, you know, our whole goal is to lead with vision, right? And this vision is something that's got to be ambitious, audacious, borderline outlandish. Like it might feel crazy and incredible when we're talking about it. But the end goal is that when you're working with a focused provider, they're going to take a percentage of whatever you're paying them in your investment, and they're going to go execute on that vision, right? And, you know, this is our approach at Cantata. You know, we take 20% of every dollar that uh, we have, and we invest it back into our products and services. And the way I think about this is you're, you're buying a, an admission ticket to the vision that we're going to execute. And the vision needs to be audacious and grand. And if we achieve half of it, you should feel like you're in a spectacularly different place than you were two to three years ago. And unless the provider's talking to you about that vision, then you're probably in the wrong place. It's important to ask, in your opinion, what is the cost of not moving directionally towards a professional services cloud? Yeah, so it's massive. I mean, we uh, we recently commissioned a report with Forrester where we actually, we had um, a number of our clients that were willing to participate in a blind fashion to the study. And Forrester did an extensive study with them, and the headline outcome was over three years that these clients achieved an 8% improvement in utilization across their business, right? And if you were to cascade that to margin and you're running a $500 million services business, that is going to translate to over $2 billion in enterprise value that someone is forsaking for not having a tool in place. So, the ROI is massive and compelling. I believe it was almost a 499% ROI from using these tools. So that's what's at stake. You know, anybody in this space who puts things like change management or access to internal resources as a blocker, you're foregoing hundreds of millions and likely billions of dollars in lost value by not having these tools. What is absolutely befuddling to me is how there's endless reports and data that proves this and lays it out. You know, we've commissioned some of this, others have commissioned it, but the case is so very clear that the benefits of adopting a vertical SaaS solution are real and that folks that sit on the sidelines are just going to be at a massive competitive disadvantage. You will be lapped by your competitors. And, you know, we see this when we talk to our customers and 
you know, we have some of our most astute customers that are highly adopted and using our product have aced what I just talked about. They have aced the margin improvement. They have aced the utilization improvement. And we are so excited for them. And we are so excited to talk about our vision for the future, about client outcomes, where we are now engaging with a set of our customers and getting beyond uh, what we talked about in scope and schedule and margin and really focusing on the improvement of client outcomes. So if you're struggling with even base tools, your competitors are moving on to the next horizon. They're so far ahead of you. And for me, that's what's exciting and also concerning, right? You know, I want every client to really embark on this journey. And my goal and and our strategy here at Cantata is to create as many ways for them to begin that journey as possible. I believe just the amount of pain that exists in this market specifically is just enormous. And that our mission and vision is to solve it and help clients our customers be more productive and deliver better outcomes for their clients. Yeah, the business case is clearly enticing and the cost avoidable. But what are, in your opinion, some of the challenges in this journey? Because it can't be simple to get there. Yeah, there are many challenges. I, th- I think first and foremost is internal advocacy and sponsorship is definitely one that our clients struggle with when they're embarking on this journey and um, attempting to take the step. You know, change management within their organization is another. And I would say there's this belief and notion that, you know, I call it this like no feature left behind syndrome where, you know, someone may have operated their business for a certain way for a very, very long time. And there's a lot of call it momental inertia around what they're doing and this inability to change or maybe belief that they can't change or don't want to change. And the evidence I have is, you know, we have thousands of customers that have changed. People have done it. Many people have done it. This is not an experiment. This has been proved. And really looking at the North Star as not this no feature left behind mindset where you have to carry everything you did in the past forward, but really be clinical about what are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve and then making sure that the product you're putting in place does it. And we've got thousands of customers that have proven that. So if you're sitting on the sidelines and putting your head in the sand, there's really no reason to. You just have to get your business aligned and work with your provider to help you do that. I can't think of a more compelling case. When you have a case like this that can present that type of improvement in enterprise value and improvement in client outcome, especially for a pure play services business, I can't imagine anything else being more important than this. What a lot of folks need to do is really just work with the providers and the partners that they're contemplating and and ask them to help them make this case. And every client that asks us to do it, I jump at that opportunity. I will go present to their board. I will make the case for them. Our teams will do it. And this is the conversation that I delight in because the data and all the analysis and all the metrics stack up to support the vision and the ambition that we're laying out for this industry. I relish in that conversation. It's, it's the best conversation that I get to be in every single time it happens. Fantastic. So on a lighter note, I always like to finish the podcast with a book recommendation and would really appreciate if I could have yours. Yeah. So right now I'm actually reading uh, the biography of Elon Musk. So it is uh, a journey. I think I'm about halfway through the book. So I'm hoping to finish it this weekend, but it has uh, shed a lot of light on a man that regardless of what you think of him has uh, embarked on probably some of the most ambitious kind of technological visions and missions that probably anybody has seen in our time. So I've delighted in kind of getting through the first half of it and just 
seeing what was under the covers about his family, how he was raised, what drives him, what his idiosyncrasies and flat sides are, <laughs> which you know all of us have. But it has been a fascinating read thus far. So looking forward to getting through the second half this weekend. Yeah, I've read that book, The Autobiography, and it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Thanks for being with us, Michael. And thank you, listeners. As always, we love to hear from our listeners. If you have any follow-up questions for myself or Michael, please reach out at podcast at cantata.com. Have a great rest of your day. Great. Thanks, Banu. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts, on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.